This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression Apparel gives the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories of local legends in the Australian running community that you've simply always wanted to hear. Today in Season 2, Episode 9, I interview Brisbane runner, Abby Singh. Four years ago, Abby was hardly running. A jog here and there was about as much as he was doing with his running. To give some context, Abby discussed on the podcast that he ran a few 25-minute 5K park runs back in 2019. Fast forward to 2023, he can now run a 16.30 for 5K, has smashed the hotly pursued three-hour marathon barrier, now with a PB of three hours and 47 minutes. So tune in to hear Avi discuss in depth his training methods, mindset, group running, and footwear. practice welcome to local legends running podcast avi how are you good thanks ali and yourself mate excellent i've never actually asked your full name how do you pronounce it um so it's avishek avishek so i hear people calling you avi and avi which one is it to be honest pretty crazy as long as it ain't <laughs> avishek that's usually when i'm in trouble so yeah. avi or avi, i'll respond to it hey mate it's the 10th of april uh, easter long weekend how's your running looked this weekend yeah, it's been a good weekend of running. So did a, did a session with the uh, Bush Jokey guys on Friday. Um, so that was, uh, I think it was a hilly 25K, so 25-minute um, tempo threshold. Um, Saturday was pretty cruisy and relaxing and then a long run um, on Sunday. Is that pretty normal for you now, a Friday session? Um, yeah, pretty much. So Fridays and then long run on Sunday. Yeah, great. Hey, your long run was about 4.15 pace over hills on the north side of Brisbane. How was that experience? Uh, it was good fun. Um, it's pretty cruisy because by the time you're chatting and rolling through and usually 20, 25 k's through it by that point in time. And what was your elevation over that time? Um, I think it was about 3.50-ish. Okay, for 35k, it's pretty hilly, but not ridiculous. 
No, nothing too bad. So it was through, so we started at Sandgate and then went through like uh, Brackenridge and then into Brisbane Downs around the cemetery and back through Brackenridge back to Sandgate. Yeah, I was going to ask you, where are the hills out there? So Brackenridge, so I think it was Clive who must have created the, um, right. Um, so they created it to make sure they find the hills. So we went through <laughs> Brackenridge. Uh, there's a hill out there called Barrett Street, um, which is a well-known one for us. And then going through Beams Road, um, back through the Albany Creek Cemetery, there's a few hills out there. Yeah, great. Hey, mate, you've been a, a long-term fan of the podcast. You're finally on here, I think, from day one. After interviewing Kai Robinson, you were a fan, and uh, we're often talking Definitely. about it. We run a lot together. So, how do you feel for the first time being on here yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, as uh, before you released your first one, I think um, you sent it through for me to have a listen. So, <laughs> you know, been a bit over a year now. I think um, it feels good, and obviously, I think I mentioned to you that you've had some high-profile guests, so not as high-profile as those guys. We definitely have, but I mean, mates, it's been what three to four years. Four years ago, you were hardly running at all, and now uh, the PBs are putting down from the five k to the marathon are, are pretty good, considering the short time you've had. So I'm looking to delve into how you've improved so much. You're running about 130 to 150 k, I think, average yep, weekly. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's my average k. So, so yeah, um, that's what I usually average, and obviously I've built up to that. But um, there's been a good group of people and guidance that I've got from I pretty much started running 2019, early 2020. Um, so around COVID time when yes, all the gyms yeah. closed down. So um, that's when I started doing some structured running. Yeah, for sure. Hey, to set some context, I think it was the weekend or last weekend, maybe a 10K trial was done with Morton Bay Road Runners, North Brisbane. Yeah. So how'd you go in that? That was a pretty close time to your PB from memory. Yeah, so I got a PB. Um, it was about 11 seconds. I think I went 34, 26, 27. Oh, that was a PB, so, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so that was a PB. So it was a long time coming for my 10K PB. I think my previous one was Jetty to Jetty. It would have been July last year. So What was that time previously you had for the 10K? 3440 something? Um, I 30. think it was 34. I think it was two seconds slower than you. So what's your 10K <laughs> PB? <laughs> Oh, I think it's 35 at Bridge to Brisbane and 40, maybe 45 on the track, which is a bit more okay, official so, than Bridge to Brisbane. Yeah. So I think my PB at um, Jetty Jetty was 34, 37 potentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Morton Bay Roadrunners, how many people were out there for that event? Um, so it was a, a bit of a fundraiser event. So it was yes. a combination with um, Morton Bay there. And then I think it's Sudden Swim Group. Um, there was a young uh, kid who's unfortunately suffered a uh, stroke. So it was a bit of fundraising for young William um, out there. So, and then we also had a few striders and additional um, guests uh, like Bert, a few members from Bert. Bert oh, right. Okay. And so William, he's got a connection to the Morton Bay Roadrunners Club in some way? No. So it's more to the Sutton Swim Group. Um, he's got a connection, but Morton Bay and Sutton Swim Group are linked up together. Yeah, okay, great cause. And uh, who were the top three there? Um, so Clive Ross um, came through with the chocolates out there. Um, I think it was followed by David Fontana and then Chris Woolenhead. Yeah, David being a, a Burt runner himself? Yes, definitely. Well, you Thanks. know him. He knows yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, a bit fitter behind him out in the sessions, but Chris Woolenhead yeah. there too. Ah, uh, Yeah, he is definitely. And, and <laughs> he was my previous coach. So I've, I've run a lot of Ks with him over the years. 
Yeah, and we'll talk about Chris shortly. I'm sure that he'll tune in at some point. So you might have to watch carefully what you're saying there. Um, yeah, tread waters carefully there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, um, the next thing I wanted to bring up before we get into formalities was the uh, national champs at CUSAC in Brisbane just the other week. Did you get into that at all? We saw Cal Davies actually take out the 1,505K. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, no, I didn't go down. I was mean to go down, but I had a, a max bucks weekend. Uh, sorry, on the Saturday and then the Morton Bay time trial on the um, Sunday. So I didn't get down, but I watched um, it all on TV. So it was cool watching. Yeah, same weekend. And cool to see Queensland get up. Yeah, yeah. He's diverse, of course, to cover the 1,505 and 5K. He's got some talent across the short stuff and longer stuff, Callum, by the looks of it. Yeah, definitely. And your box party before a 10K time trial? Didn't drink much, I guess. Oh, no, it wasn't my box party. It was one of my close mates, and uh, it was pretty tame for me. Um, I don't go out drinking too much, so it's more running focused for me. You know, we've spoken about that too, but uh, in terms of your size, so you're a smaller athlete out there. I think you're weighing Definitely. at about, what, less than 50 kilos? Is that right? Nah, a bit heavier, a bit heavier. So around 54, 55 kilos. 54, 55. I think one yeah. time you told me a year or so ago you were unwell and you were weighing close to 40 kilograms is that right yeah definitely it was around april may last year so what happened i got gastro uh, for a week and then <laughs> got influenza like two days after recovering from gastro so i dropped from like the 54 55 mark to down to i think it was like 48 in the space of two weeks oh it's unbelievable but definitely an asset to have that to be a lighter athlete out there but mate um just a bit of background for the listeners about you and I, because we we met in a weird sort of situation in the in the sense that I think about three to four years ago, maybe three, you reached out mm-hmm. on Facebook to come have a run, I think with the West End Running Group, my current group at the time. And I yeah. think I just closed, it must have been 2020, which I responded in that manner saying, hey mate, um, thanks for reaching out, but we're done, yeah. done as a group and I'm running solo yeah. now. So yeah, happy to catch up for a run and we uh, caught up yeah, on the downfall bikeway at Chermside there in Brisbane for a jog. Yeah, I think it was the first time I was just at the track. On I used to go down to the track just randomly, just have a jog around. And I think you were down there just solo and we had a chat. And then I found you on Facebook and I threw you a message and it looked like you had a running group. So I was like, oh, let's see if I can join your running group. And then obviously that closed down. Then we caught up at the downfall creek bikeway, I think probably a month or two later from there. I just wonder back then, so 2020, how would have you and I fared? So for, for 5K, for example, I think I was running about back then, maybe a 18 something from memory, low 18 yes. maybe. Yeah. So I was probably around a 22, 23 <laughs> minutes, uh, 5K back then. So you come a long uh, way. Yes, definitely. So just talk to us about uh, your age, where, where you're located, living at the moment. Um, yeah. And, and you got a partner. What, what's happening in your life at the moment? Yeah, definitely. So I'm 26. Um, so I moved out of home last year. So I'm just living here in Fixgibbon. Um, I have a partner. So we've been dating since grade 12. So oh, since we're 16. So coming to 10 years now. Um, so a long time. And would have to give her a huge credit to my running as well. Um, from the get-go has been supportive, drives me to all my races. Got some silly superstitions where I have to have my shoelace tied by someone. So she's always tied my shoelace before a race. Um, so I've got some very superstitious when it comes to this specific things like that. Um, but she was the one that encouraged me to 
um, go start running with Chris pretty much. So gave me the push. So I was very self-conscious going, knowing that these guys were quicker. So he encouraged me to go out there um, and go have a run. So it's pretty much changed my life over the last three years, which gave me um, a huge focus or something, especially since leaving uni. Uh, I moved up to Bundy for work for a bit, then moved back to Brizzy. And it was just that grind of just when you realise having a full-time job and just working away and not really having any hobbies, uh, which was, I was starting to get real frustrated just with life in general. So having her support me to hey, go start running, um, giving me a bit more purpose outside of work, which I found um, hugely beneficial uh, there. Yeah, it's so important for them to either either they're into running or they appreciate that you're into yeah. running. But it seems like yeah. she's got a bit of both. She's she's out there too, running not as quickly yeah, as you at uh, three twenty pace over a five k, but she's she's running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's out there running, uh, which is great. If you actually look at her PB, it's going to be seventeen fifty. Uh, that was after one park run. I accidentally scanned her barcode <laughs> in instead of mine. Um, so, but yeah, she's out there running she's currently training for a triathlon too so she understands the concepts of um, getting up training and being supportive in terms of like last week uh, we're currently building a fence around home but last week she knew that um i was going to have an effort on the sunday i just laid around inside while she did most of the painting outside so it's just having that support there yeah, I and mean, what about outside of running? What else are you into in the week? Obviously, running 150k in a week will take up most of your time, and that seems to be the main hobby. But uh, yeah. what else is 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 happening in the week? There, yeah. So there isn't actually a great deal. Um, I recently get a puppy, so um, spend a fair bit of time with the puppy, training the puppy. Uh, but I like being out and about. Uh, one of my biggest hobbies probably be camping. Um, and I've got a lot of road trips and along those lines. So. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't say I have too many hobbies outside of running. Running is the big hobby, uh, but yeah, takes a lot of time up. It does. And uh, speaking of that, how how has that um, benefited other areas of your life um, with work or anything? Does running help with that mentally and emotionally, week to week, day to day? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You probably know that if you have a good session in the morning, um, you, the whole week you're sitting on cloud nine for the whole day, uh, which makes the whole work day go well. But in terms of generally, I feel like running has really helped me progress in my work career as well because running is one of those grindy sports where you just have to just be dedicated at it. So you learn the work ethic from the running concept, which I can relate to my work, which have seen me um, go leaps and bounds in my work environment as well. Yeah, so we strip away the running in general for the last four years. Mm. Where would you be now, you reckon, if you weren't running? Um, to be honest, it's given me a lot more self-confidence, um, and then also given me like putting myself out of the comfort zone. So if I wasn't, um, running, I don't think I would have been able to push myself out of the comfort zone to get to the position where I'm at work or just in general, um, just ability to talk and being around people. Let's get to that. Hey, where let's get the whole story from the start. Or uh, Avi yeah. or Avi, shall we call him? Yes. Yeah. Where where it started, you know, you know, three four years ago for running, but then also where you were born, what your background is too, cultural background for the listeners to get yep. a, a bit more context here for the interview, and then get into what it looked like at all for physical activity and running in school. Yeah, definitely. So I was actually born in Fiji. Um, so I'm only so I was born in 1997. So I'm what 26 this year. Um, but I moved to Australia when I was three and a half. Um, 
with my parents and then I've lived in Brisbane pretty much well, all my life through there. Um, Northside Brisbane predominantly. So I went to Tagum in my primary school, then went to Aspley through um, my high school. And funnily, um, my running actually came about for in grade 12. So my partner, Tamika, um, has been a runner uh, growing up and then all the way through. And I didn't want her to beat me in cross country. Um, so that's where it exactly started from. So Astley's cross country was about, I think, three and a half Ks potentially. So I trained for that. So when I say trained for that, I probably went. <laughs> there was no there was no GPS watches or anything in, when I was doing this training. So I'll just go for a jog loop, which I've done the loop um, since I've had my Garmin. It's only like a 2K. And I'll do that 2K probably every second or third day um, leading into cross country uh, just because I wanted to make sure she didn't beat me. Um, as a bit of a rivalry, rivalry that we have. Um, so that's when my running started. And yes, uh, I did beat her, uh, which was, I still go to that day. That's the last time she ever beat, beat me in a running race. Um, so that's where running started, but that was, that's it. Um, that stopped from there. Um, so I've got a cricketing background. So I started playing cricket when I was about seven years old and I played right through till I was probably 20, 21. Um, yeah, right. I've stopped playing since I'm um, having a full-time job. Just couldn't waste the full Saturday out in a cricket field while um, working pretty much. And cricket, that's not a prominent Fiji or Fijian sport, is it? Where would it rank? No, no, they, they didn't actually have a Fijian cricket team, funnily enough. Um, but um, my cousins down here played. So I've got an Indian heritage as well, but obviously born in Fiji. Um, they played cricket, so I got in through cricket that way. Okay, so both parents now, you bring in the Indian uh, heritage and background there as well. So how does that yeah. work for parents? So they're both actually Indian um, as well, yeah. but they were just born in Fiji. So I'm not sure where exactly the, like how far my ancestry goes back to India. I've never actually investigated that, but there is at some point um, somewhere. Well, my great, great grandparents, obviously from India. Okay, so wind back the clock to primary school, any involvement there across country or any influence do you think from your parents at the time at all that led to you running at all today? No, I wouldn't say so, to be honest. So um, I may have mentioned to you, I was weighing in about grade seven, grade eight, I was weighing about 70 kilos. So you know how tall I am, not a tall um, bloke at all. So I was quite, um, well, pretty obese, overweight, uh, probably till about grade nine, grade 10. Yeah, right. So, so, there, so there was literally no running back then. Was that a result of not doing too much? Or was that kind of genetically the way that you were predisposed as a, as a kid? Yeah. Um, so obviously uh, you play cricket, but if you played cricket, you've seen cricket, you can be standing around <laughs> in the field for a very long time. So you don't actually expend much energy. Um, I think it was just a, a, just ate a fair bit and no, not much energy expenditure. So I did play sports, like I played in the school rugby team in, at Tagum and then just played here and there um, and always in the streets playing like cricket or soccer or something along those lines, but it wasn't anything structured. So I was genetically, well, I could say probably a genetically like just a larger kid. Yeah. So you mentioned 21-ish was about the time that the cricket was seen through the back door, but um, running hadn't f- featured for five years. What was happening in the early 20s for Harvey? Yeah, so I just graduated uni, or even in uni, I ran, but it would have been like 15Ks a week, like tops. Um, and it was just more like a 
outlet to de-stress. I would go to the park runs and stuff along those lines too, but it'd be like once every three or four months I'd turn up to um, Zoomia Park Run, which was the local, um, but there was nothing structured. I'd go for a 5K jog just out of the blue. If uni was frustrating me, it would go for a jog. Yeah, right. So have you got, like, were you scanning a barcode back then for parkrun? Would you have times that you could actually look up online to see what you were running at the time? Yeah, yeah, I could. Um, actually, my first, very very first parkrun, I think, was that, like, 27 or 28 minutes. So that would, I would have feeling that may have been 2019, 2018, potentially. Yeah, right. Right. So 20, yeah. that accelerated pretty quickly. So the back end of 2019, you think, was the time where you started to run a bit more and, and why or yeah. how did that come in at that point in time? So it was actually would have been at the end of 2019. Um, I was at a park run and then uh, Chris Warham was there. Um, and if anyone knows him, he, he loves to have a chat. So um, he was going to, he was pacing a bloke there. I think his name was Sean. And I, so I just jumped on uh, to see how it go. And I went relatively well there. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, I was like, cool. Uh, my goal was to try to get under sub 20 at some point back then. Um, and then just before, I think the COVID lockdowns was 2020 off the top of my head. Um, just before one of the lockdowns there, um, he was pacing that Sean got a uh, bloke again and I jumped on. And I think I did like a 1956. And I thought, this is super cool. Like I was on cloud nine for the next two weeks there. Um, so that's where it started from uh, running. I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, and then I was at, down at the track during the COVID lockdowns um, and Chris Wallahan was there with a bunch of the Striders guys. He was, Chris was injured at the time coming back, so he wasn't doing a session. So I got chatting to him and he's like, oh, he runs around Marching Park. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll um, jump in with you. I'll see what I can do. Um, I knew him. Um, so him and Paul, I knew of them, like the quick guys that come down to Zulmia Parkway occasionally and uh, if you've ever done Zulmia Parkway on the old course uh, my goal would be if I cross the bridge to make see if I can see it and finish so I was, I'd probably be like a K and a half off from my finish line to when they finish um, so I started running with Chris at around Marching Park um, just gradually over COVID and it gradually became to every day of the week running around marching park and zooming AFL fields. So that's where my running really started from there. Yeah. And a bit of a, um, an idea about marching park for the listeners who haven't been mm-hmm. there. Um, it's unique in the sense that it's quite hilly, very easy to access elevation there. So do you know how much elevation you'd get from a lap, which I think is about what two, two K's is it around? A lap is three K's. Um, and I think it'd be, potentially maybe 50 to 60 meters elevation around there um so we if from people who have me on Strava uh, they'll know I used to do a fair few k throughout Marching Park um 2020 2021 time so yeah. it's pretty cool um it's a pretty good place to run if you just want to get some elevation and it's all bike paths around Marching Park so it's pretty safe too yeah, yeah, there's a full bike path around it, which definitely can help yeah. with that. And then the option of grass too there, right? Yeah, there's grass. Obviously, there's cricket ovals around there. I think there's nine ovals, so you can run laps of that too if you want. Yeah, so was Chris Rulerhand going there in the first instance to get that uh, benefit from the hills, or was it a place simply that was accessible to him? So he used to go down there for the hills as well, because as you know, he loves the hills. 
Um, so you used to go down just it's easily accessible for him, but it's an easy place. I think it's on the way from um work between work and home for him. So I used to drive down every afternoon and jog some laps with him there. Yeah, so by what early to mid twenty twenty, how many Ks were you doing? And was there any like a negative impact from doing the hill so quickly there at Marchand Park? No, I'm not really. So I actually quite remember my biggest week, um, I thought, which was crazy in my opinion, was um, the 2020 Easter, that long weekend, I cracked 70 Ks for the first time ever for the whole week. And I thought like, oh, okay, I'm probably not going to go much higher than this ever. Um, Sounds so, like my mileage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so I started running there. So I got to that 70K, like, so three years ago to a similar point right now. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, and saying that, Chris at that point wasn't coaching me, um, but he would guide me. So I wouldn't, I wasn't doing a long, like my long run would have been 10 or 12Ks, something like that, um, and running around Marching Park, which was relatively slow. Um, he'd, like, if he was going to do a faster run around Marching Park, he'd tell me not to come, do something else somewhere else. Um, so I was jogging at like maybe five fifteen, five thirty k's uh, per minute k's. Yeah, so I, I guess from a very like early time in in your running, like in the last three to four years from twenty twenty, the 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 slow jogging was definitely a prominent part of your training. So what what benefit did you find from that running like five thirty pace most of the week? Yeah, well, I think. It was good and believe when I was first getting into it, um, as you'd be aware, as you start to build the Ks up, doing the slow jogging. Um, so it was the 80-20 um, principle that I was following really. Um, but doing the slow jogging, it just meant I never actually got significantly sore, uh, which was ideal. I think when people first get into running and they start to get significantly sore, it may be a deterrent. So that didn't deter me because I wasn't getting sore along those lines. Yeah, so fast forward to the end of 2020, how many Ks were you hitting then and what sort of 5K time were you at now? So I think 2020, I did um, a half marathon in 2020. That was the Great South Run. Um, so what I had envisioned before I even started running with Chris was like I wanted to crack an hour 30 because I was like my previous PB before then was I think an hour 36 potentially. Um, so I was like, I want to crack it out 30. Um, so quickly my focus, I told Christmas, that's what I want to do. Um, so we changed, started doing some longer stuff, but in saying that my mileage was probably around 72, I hadn't cracked a hundred Ks still, I think 2021, um, mid 2021. Um, so it was probably around somewhere between 70 to 95 Ks per week I was doing. Yeah, so what within a year then, or a year and a half from the end of 2019 to now getting into start of 2021, how many half marathons or even 10Ks so have I, you done? Yeah, so my first ever half marathon was actually um, BOR Daybreak. Um, it, was, it was a trail um, half marathon, and that was in 2019. But I was in gym um, just one, it was a Sunday, oh, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was in gym and I was like, it'd be cool to do a half marathon. And I, it was the back half of the year. So there isn't many left, but BOR was. So I think it's the first week of um, December, BOR usually is. So I was like, oh yeah, this is the only one left. Um, so I'm just going to sign up to it. Uh, so I signed up to it. 
Uh, and I did it, did that in my first ever half marathon. And then after that, that was a, let's say, that was an interesting one. Uh, it was very hilly, trail marathon. Uh, I think I ended up finishing in like two hours 15, two hours 20, something like that. Uh, but then I did jetty to jetty. Uh, would have been 2019 as well, potentially, which I think it was still like one hour 56. So I've done a few halves, but that's when I was doing my own training through uni, mm-hmm. but which was averaging about 15 to 20 Ks. Yeah, then you, you sort of did a handful in the 120 range there for, for a year or so, didn't you? And when did that start when you came that quick? So um, my first half, so the Great South Run, which was late 2020, I went, I broke the 120. Um, so my goal was to get 130, but I got, I think it was 119, like 56 or something. So that was a, that was a surreal experience um, to have a goal. And then with a short time of training, getting to that goal, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what, 20, 2022 then? So we thought COVID was gone by 2022, but the yeah. start of last year was still around. But um, what did that look race-wise for you? What did you compete in last year? And we're getting close now to uh, PB territory. We'll go through those yeah, so, formally in a moment. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? So 2022... I did a couple of halves in 2022. Um, so no, actually I went up to Bundaberg and did the a half in 2022 um, as well. But in 2021, I did a few other races. To be honest, I can't remember off the top of my head where they would have been <laughs> because the 2021 was really disturbed by COVID. So there would have been any um, structured races. I did sign up to Gold Coast. So originally I signed up to the half marathon there as Chris said, probably doing a marathon wouldn't be the greatest idea um, at that point. But then I started dropping a few PBs um, in that 2021 time frame. Um, when he uh, went away for a bit and he's like, hey, I think you should sign up for the marathon and see if you can break the three-hour um, barrier. But unfortunately, obviously, Gold Coast was cancelled. So I did a uh, marathon out at um, Sandgate on a Friday afternoon. Oh, I remember this. Wasn't it wasn't it quite warm or rainy from memory? There was something, just something um, challenging about the weather. Yeah, it was a rainy afternoon, but luckily that afternoon the rain stayed away. And for the people who run at Sandgate, it's usually windy, really windy on the afternoon. It was a perfectly still afternoon on that Friday afternoon. So this was started, when was this end of, now I'm getting my dates mixed up, 2021. So yeah? this would have, yeah, this would have been 2021. End so. of 2021. Friday afternoon, marathon yeah, been, along Sandgate. Yeah, so June, yeah, June, July, whenever Gold Coast usually is. Um, so, yeah, that was my first marathon, um, which is a bit, bit of an anticlimax, but it was a good, it was great that afternoon because I uh, ended up going, I think it was 2.57, uh, which was, I was paced out there. So, Anthony Fulcher and Steve Woolley paced me uh, ultimately through uh, the 42Ks on that afternoon. And Steve Woolley, our host of the, uh, it, what is it? Eat, sleep, run, repeat podcast. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So that that was before that podcast came about. So so Steve and Anthony, actually, uh, we ran together at Great South as well. So when he paid, they paced, we paced each other for the PB. So we all had a goal to try to break that one hour 20 by that point in time. Yeah, and dead flat out there, but windy, you were saying. And uh, how was the pacing overall? Did you nail the pacing for your first marathon in, in non-race conditions, shall we call it? Yeah, to be honest, um, that two hour fifty 
700. There was no crampy. There was no issues at all. And um, funnily, because we were originally going to do it on the Sunday, but the Sunday was meant to be a super windy day. So we just moved it to Friday. So that marathon was done on, I had it up and go in the morning. So there was no nutrition, no nothing. Uh, so it was just into it and just did that marathon that day. One up and go, nothing during the whole marathon. Uh, during the marathon, I think, um, I can't recall properly, but I may have had one gel. One gel and then we had like a bottle of like Gatorade or water I would have had. So there was no, no nutrition that day. Jeez. And was that out of, um, was it difficult to plan that? Like even hydration along the, the course being a time trial on your own? Yeah. And obviously because if you run along Sandgate, if you start at Decker Park and go to Moore Park along those footpaths, you can leave bottles there, but cleaners go through, stuff get picked up. Luckily, none of our stuff got picked up, but there was bottles at the end at the near the pier at Shawncliffe, um, which we picked up. But I was at that point, I didn't actually really understand the concept of nutrition and all that along all that jazz. So I thought, yeah, a bottle of water, that'll be good enough for me. Yes, mate. So what, two years from starting jogging around, you know, even 30, 20, 30K to 70K and um, then a marathon two years later. Yeah, and Breaking three hours yeah. and not a race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, like I really, at that point, really didn't understand the concept of how big breaking that three hour barrier is um, <laughs> because I it was so new to running. So I was like, oh yeah, three hours, that's just the time. But now that the more I've been around running, you realize that how big that three hour barrier is. Yeah, and you sort of, the Ks increased a lot, didn't they, um, quite quickly, you know, within yeah. the, the short span of your running time. And we'll get to that shortly because I wanted to get to your PBs and then come back to your training mm -hmm. week and, yeah, and how yeah. how that kind of eventuated to what you're running now. Mm -hmm. So, mate, I've got a bit of a challenge here. I'm going to have a guess of your PBs um, from yeah. what I think, I think they're around. So your 5K, I think, is around 1630-ish. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's 1630 on the dot. Is it? Nailed it. Yeah. One out of, I've got four here to, up to the, <laughs> the Marat. 10K, you just mentioned it's around low 30, 34, 30, 34, 27. Uh, yeah, 34, 27. 27, just the other week. The half. Yeah. Now, this, I think this is around 115, isn't it? No, a bit slower than that. So it's 1640 uh, something. So that yeah. was that Roadrunners last year. Roadrunners last year, yep. yeah, and the and the full marathon, the marathon now, so that's two what forty something, I think. Yeah, it's two forty seven, high two forty sevens. Which was Gold Coast. Yeah, Gold Coast last year. Last year, so just tell us a bit about those, particularly the half and the marathon, because that's where your interests lie now. How was your yeah, experience with the half first, the one so the one sixteen? Yeah, so the half was a great experience. So obviously you go down to Roadrunners a fair bit too. Um, it's a good atmosphere and you get some quick guys out there. Um, but it was, once again, so last year we were training for Gold Coast. Um, so I think it was actually a year, it would have been, it came up in my Strava memory as a year ago yesterday, one year ago yesterday. They held the um, champs for the half out there. But Roadrunners, um, so it was just pretty much a training run leading into Gold Coast. Um, and I think... So I didn't think I was in PB shape at that point in time, um, but obviously it came about, uh, which was great. I think it, most of that run at the Roadrunners was solo because 
as you know, road runners, there's that front group they'll go, and then there's usually that middle group that's around. Yeah, I'm in there. Um, yeah, that middle group that's around there. So I remember I'd seen Nathaniel Wells, which I think you know of as well. Um, he was there, um, and I saw him in front of me, and I, I knew that he was relatively quicker than me. So my goal was how I race, if I know someone, I don't like losing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to catch up to him. And so I stayed behind him for most of the race and then just took over at the end um, and came across with a PB quite comfortably, which I was quite happy with. And at that point in time, um, I realised I was probably quite fit at that. But unfortunately, a couple of weeks after that, I ended up getting gastro and influenza. So Gold Coast, leading to Gold Coast, I was pretty much just trying to get myself ready to get there. Yeah, so how far out was that from Gold Coast? About a month? So that, so that was April. So it was this time, but when I got sick, it took me... So my when I had influenza, like my resting heart rate was sitting at like close to 190s. Um, so it got me pretty bad. So I, pretty much for three weeks from this time, April, three to four weeks, I just couldn't get running at all properly. So I think I was doing about 60, 70 Ks a week. Um, at that point in time, so I was aiming for 248 at Gold Coast, um, but I had a chat to Chris and I was like, look, and we both thought, let's see what happens because it's uncontrollable, like you're getting sick. So marathon training was pretty much on hold for about a four-week period um, leading into Gold Coast. Yep. And then how, yeah, how did the sort of week or two leading up to it? appear because you can't just sort of bring back all the k's all of a sudden that that's generally the taper time for a marathon yeah definitely so i think the early june um i went up to bagara to do the half marathon up there and the main thing was that to just go up there to see if just get some confidence back into running because i was pretty low in confidence by that point in time like i'd go out to do an easy run and my heart rate would jump up to like 160 um, quite quickly um, so I was like, so Chris, um, said, yeah, it was like, all right, just go to Bagara, just have a run to see what happens. Um, I got the win out there and I ran quite comfortably. So I was like, okay, I think I ran about like a one seventeen ish out there. Um, so I was like, well, I'm not that far off my, what my PB would have was. So I was like, let's see what happens. Um, we did a few, uh, marathon sessions as well. So I've been lucky enough that Chris, uh, leading both through both of the, uh, marathon preps he has paced me through my marathon sessions um, so you have a pretty good when your coach can just run alongside with you uh, helping you out so he helped me out a, a lot uh, leading last year especially when my confidence was low so pacing me through my sessions and by the time taper started so we only took a one week taper before Gold Coast last year just because I was trying to cram in the training to mm. see what happens so that second last week was literally a normal training week, nothing down yeah, about so, the mileage or intensity? No, nothing down. <laughs> um, it was just the last week that was the down week. How long was your um, long run? Um, my last long run, so it would have been about 90 minutes maybe. Yeah. Yeah. About so we cut the down long. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that was, was that your second marathon? Yeah, so I've done only, or I've raced two marathons and then I've paced Sunny Coast last year as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's the, um, there's the PBs done. Let's get into this training yeah. week, eh? We've got about five yeah. minutes on the clock until it 
tells us to get um to upgrade to the pro version. Yeah. And then I send you through okay. your link. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this um you hit hit pretty big mileage, mate, after a year or so. Like um yeah. at what point did you hit sort of 120, 30k and and what benefit did you get out of it or even some cons to running so much early in the running time of your life? Yeah, so so with to be honest, my training um until this started this year. So Chris, as I said, as you know, he coached me. So everything was guided um by him. Uh so it was to the point where he I was essentially his test dummy for his coaching business that he runs now. So one K at a time. So it was pretty much what he was doing was building me up from very low Ks. So it was just a gradual build, probably quicker than what most other people do. Um, but by the time start of last year, I started hitting the 130, uh, 120 to 130 mark uh, off the top of my head. Um, so it built me up into that uh, following the 80-20. So I would be doing two sessions a week um, and then a lot of easy running around the session as well um, leading up into that. So having that structured and having it taken away from like I didn't have to do any of the thinking. So he essentially gave me like, this is what you're going to do today. Uh, these are the paces you're running, which made it really easy for me um, to get through. And yeah, I guess uh, like, so, yeah, sorry, you go. Yeah. So I wouldn't say though. So the with, because of the gradual build, I've been lucky that I've been injury free. Um, so mm. touch wood, but I haven't had a long period out um, at all. So most I would have was probably like two or three days I've had to rest if I've had like a, like a glute niggle or a knee niggle and usually it resolves itself yeah and i guess the the fact that there weren't many races happening either allowed you to actually be consistent with the training maybe even helped with the injury but what injury yeah. or lack of injury what what's been mm. your worst injury in that time in the last few years so luckily i'm a so i studied exercise physiology um at uni so luckily i've got the knowledge to know when the injury is about to come about and um nip it uh, before it happens so the worst thing i've got was just a, a glute it was like an early stage tendinopathy which i ran through still um but it was just i made sure i did exercises around it to make sure it i could be able to run through it yeah okay and uh and now mate so the training week now what does that look like I often yeah see, so yeah, you sit, sitting in 130 150k a week running a bit quicker these days than the old days and yes. um, arguably maybe less hills, but um, let's hear it from you. <laughs> yeah. So definitely less hills um, because we were going, some of our long runs would have been at Bunya. So uh, we moved away. So I've started training with the Bush Turkey uh, track club uh, now. Um, so usually what happens, I'll try to do about 20 Ks on the Monday. So I'll split my Monday up into 10 K blocks. Um, and then we'll do a session on the Tuesday, uh, which will probably in the morning around 15 to 17 Ks. And then I'll go out in the afternoon and do a couple of extra Ks, maybe five or six Ks in the afternoon. And then add a gym session to that. Um, so I'll warm up to a five or six K and then into a gym session. And then Wednesday, the Bush Jerky guys, um, and we do um, a long, a medium long run. So it was 19 minutes. Now we've gone up to one hour 40 um, and all gradually build up to two hours leading to the Gold Coast. Um, Tuesday, uh, Thursdays usually, once again, I break it up. I try to do 20Ks on a Thursday, um, but they may be 12 in the morning, eight in the afternoon. It really depends how I'm feeling. So Thursday morning, I generally wake up feeling a bit a little tender. 
So I may do a, do it eight in the morning, see how I'm feeling in the afternoon, add a few more Ks. Um, and then Friday, we do a session again. So that's once again about 15 Ks and then 5 Ks again in the afternoon with another gym session. And then Saturdays, my Saturdays lately have been um, anywhere from only 8 to 10 Ks just to take it easy uh, before the long run just because we know uh, we hit the long run pretty quick. So I don't want to go in with stale legs and then keep on adding the compound fatigue to it. Mate, um, I just wanted to get into your week in terms of the what, what you aim for. You know, you're sort of hitting 130, 150K, but yeah. even like last week I've seen you hit um, 85 or 90K. So do you, do you plan down weeks and why is there a variation between the 130 to 150 or 120 even? Yeah, definitely. So um, since training with the uh, Bush Shaky guys, so we, there is usually a down week. So every, from what it seems, I'm saying that I've only really started training for the last four to five weeks, but it seems like the fourth week is a down week, uh, which usually coincides with the time trial or the next down week coming up. It's going to coincide with the week after the GC uh, running festival. So it's always good to have that one week after banging out a few great Ks to um, recover. And that must feel like not much running at all to go from 150 to 80K, which um, there's there's runners out there running 30, 40K. So that must feel like there's not much there to get done, both mentally and physically. It should be uh, definitely reassuring and recovery-wise a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, it gives you... So to be honest, last week was my first proper down week I've had. Um, and going into this uh, this week's of training, it felt like it was required. And I think I got to, I think, just over 150 Ks this week. Um, just good refresher of the legs um, and just muscle. And then also just your mental fatigue. Um, get to have that sleep in, which is also good. Yeah. And what is the sleep in for you? Seven o'clock? Not four o'clock? Uh, generally, I usually get up at the sun. So at the moment, as the sun's coming up later, which is good. Um, but generally, by the 5, 5.30, I'm usually up and about. Yeah, and those double runs. So most of the, well, a handful of the days of the week, you're doubling. How do you find that for recovery? Like when you've done a session or a harder run, particularly the day before, and then breaking that into two runs, do you find that yeah. beneficial in some way to do that? Yeah, or I generally break the two runs up. Um, I use running as like a concept of mental health and recovery as well. So I do like doing a run after work, um, give you some time to just for yourself, just relax, switch off, um, just roll with it. So in the morning, for if I know I'm fatigued, I won't even bother looking at my watch, what I'm running at. I'll, I know 10K loop around home or if I'm in the office for work, I know a 10K loop there. So I'll just go jog out, turn around, come back. Uh, in the afternoon, it's always good. I find it's a bit of exercise, get that endorphins going through after, which can be a long day at work at times. So that's why I break my runs up. It's not really for any specific purpose. I'm breaking my two runs up. Yeah, and you mentioned the watch looking there too. I recall back in the day, you looked at it a lot, even jogging and on slow runs. <laughs> and I think um, I was an advocate for you trying to not do that. Have you found definitely. a benefit and a positive impact of not looking at the watch? Yeah, definitely. So I've got into habits, um, especially coming, starting up running, looking at seeing where the heart rate is. And as you would know, that heart rate can fluctuate. If you're stressed or frustrated at something, it can be through the roof. And then... As soon as you know your heart rate's through the roof, you tend to start to 
we want to pull the pin pretty quickly when you're doing an easy run. So the fact that when not looking at the watch, you can actually enjoy it. Mm. Um, you start to actually enjoy running rather than focusing on those little numbers and figures appearing on your wrist. Yeah. And have you had a go at it in, in the park runs or any races a bit more so in the last six months or year or so? Like how about the 10K I, trial the other week? How many yeah, times did you look at the watch in that one or track it? I, to be honest, I looked at my watch only twice in the whole 10K time trial. Um, so I went across the 5K point. So I was like, I'll see, just see if I make sure I'm at what the target is. Um, and I looked at it in the last K, uh, just to make sure I was going to get to that target. And it made that, it's probably, I know it's just a time trial, but it's probably one of the most enjoyable races, knowing you're just running to feel um, and just having a bit of fun. I have done a few races, though, Jetty to Jetty last year. I uh, didn't actually race with a watch at all. Um, so just went with the pack and see what happened. But that if you go back and look at the times, I think my first 5K was at like a 16.40 and the second 5K was like a 17.40. So it has your upsides, uh, but it's always good to have that reassurance on your wrist. Yeah, but surely you've learned to tr- your track and have an idea of your pace these days more so than when you started a few years ago. Yeah, definitely. Um, since uh, been looking less at my watch and just doing the easy runs, it made the time trial you're more aware what your body was going at. Um, so I'm actually running at what my goal pace was without actually realizing or having to look at my watch. So even in sessions, I've stopped looking at my watch. Um, so it's like a 10k effort. Um, I do what my effort is rather than trying to focus on the time to get. Yeah, and there's many things now we can focus on away from time. Like you mentioned, um, how you feel. It could be breathing or heart rate um, or just yeah. the time running for 30 minutes or whatever it is and um, yep. you just get it done without having to look at the watch. Yeah, definitely. And mate, um, about what a year ago, the Bush Turkey group were hardly even around. Um, like when, when were they kind of founded? Who's running that group? And, yeah. and you know, you've got to credit a lot of your improvement to Chris Woolahan, you mentioned earlier, but um, it seems you're really enjoying the group environment now. Yeah. Um, and getting definitely. a lot out of that week to week. Yeah. So hands down um, the first three years, um, all the credit goes to Chris Woolahan and one K at a time with his coaching. Um, but it, he started to realize I was getting to the point where I was getting quicker, but I was training solo always. All my sessions were all myself almost recovery runs were generally by myself. So his program changed slightly. So I wasn't doing my sessions with him as well. And even if I was doing it with the sessions with Chris, he's obviously uh, significantly quicker than me. So it was more <laughs> just running after, just chasing a bloke around a track really, uh, which mentally can get a bit exhausting. Um, so we decided to part ways and he said, go train with these Bush Turkey guys, uh, Bush Turkey Track Club. So it's guys and ladies, obviously. Um, see what happens. So I've been, I've known, so Clive uh, Ross and Stephen Butcher. Um, and then also there's Anthony Middleton, um, who officially created the Bush Turkey, um, concept. Um, so they've been actually around for a while. Um, so I think it started off as just a group of people who wanted to get a sub 90 minute half marathon. And then they decided to make it a bit more formalized, um, and create an added name to it. Yeah, right. So they've been around for a handful of years, but um, uh, I wouldn't say last handful year, of years. It's definitely I, accelerated. Yeah. I think it's off the top of my head. Maybe they've been around for maybe two years, but accelerated yeah. in the last year or so. 
Yeah, and a lot of promotion for it now. Like I'm seeing a lot of posting up on Instagram and social media to, yeah. to get the word out there and the numbers, what sort of numbers would they get there week to week? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so uh, for example, the Friday session that we did, um, I think there was about 10 of us. So it's not huge numbers, but having a group, mm. it makes that early morning uh, wake up much easier, especially the um, Wednesday uh, medium long run, which is always enjoyable. Um, but because solo i find getting up at four o'clock in the morning you don't want to be doing 20ks by yourself um so having a group jogging with them and even tomorrow morning knowing for the fact that there'll be at least four of us doing a session together mm. um which makes it a bit more excitable uh, but fun there yeah but 10 still a group ten, that's a, that's a decent number i, yeah, I can run with over 50 yeah. at uh at bert but yeah. um it's not like you're running with one mate 10 is definitely a group that can help yeah, definitely. Um, so it splits up into uh, different paces across the time, but having that 10, group of 10 in the long run, definitely um, it pays dividends. Going solo for 30K solo is a bit of a mental grind. Yeah, so do you think there's actually been a benefit from running quite a lot solo though? To learn to uh, enjoy it in some way, being alone and then learn the skills and mental mindset to get through whether it be a jog or a harder session? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, at this, it does give you that mental grind and the ability to get yourself out the door um, and do it. So most of them after run runs are solo, but they it usually caps out at 10Ks. Um, so getting out the door solo, yes, there's benefit for that. Mm. But I found probably since September last year till January, I started getting to a point where it was just fatiguing, just doing solo sessions. And there's more didn't have that extra push when there is a mate next to you um which similar pace you always try to drag each other along or even um if you're doing 1k reps um alternating between who takes the lead of the rep which we've done previously as well um having that another person to do where you can switch off and sit behind someone's shoulder and then alternate uh, the next rep which gives you a bit more excitement and i've seen benefits like training with these guys only for five weeks i've got my first pb and Mm. I think it was like eight or nine months, so which is good. Yeah, I can't see many cons to being in a group. The only con I can think of, uh, particularly a group like Bert, sometimes it's the fact of trying to keep up with faster runners in front of you. Yeah. But um, otherwise, you know, like for me personally, I'm running with a group Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But then, like you said, the solo runs, I'm out there um, on my own. The, the easier run solo is what I should be saying. And um, yeah. I'm finding that's a bit more manageable through the week to balance that uh, group environment with the individual sort of side of things. And it seems like you're similar in that sense. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so having that solo run, but that group environment for those grindy longer sessions or long runs, which has been beneficial. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, let's get into a bit of background about uh, yourself. Hey? Yeah, definitely. Shoes. So the shoes that you wear mm -hmm. for all your runs, whether that be an easy, uh, tempo yeah. threshold session long runs um how are you cycling through the footwear yeah so i like running in the um infinities uh nike so i've got two pairs of them that i rotate through um and generally all my easy running uh and my long runs will be in those and then i love racing in the next percent yeah right so what uh, back with flies yeah yeah so we stick on the vapor flies what, what benefit have yeah. you found out of those as a running shoe for you to be honest, um, in the shorter distance, I don't find them too uh, much of a much. There's not a great difference. But in the longer run, 
longer distance. I feel like I've raced, I've done a half marathon in just the pair of like just random ASIC shoes. You feel like the next day, you you know, you've done something. Uh, whereas if you do a half in next sense, I feel like it obviously gives you that extra percentage in the speed, but also the recovery just because of like you're running on carbon plates and foam, which gives you the benefit. <laughs> and even doing the easy runs in those um, infinities, because of the cushioning on that, I feel like it gives you the ability to recover uh, much better too. Yeah. And what about spikes on the track? Have you tried them yet or will you intend to do that and race on the track as well with that in mind? Um, I've got no real interest in racing on track. Uh, and I, in saying I've probably only worn spikes maybe two or three times. Um, so no passion really lies in the shorter, like anything lower than a 5K. I may do a 5,000 5, on a track one day, uh, but there's no real drive to do it hey, you ran you ran a handy mile the other week yes i did do a mile the other week so i think it would have been actually just short shorter than miles so it was a handicap that the bush turkey track club had so it was good fun um so it's a bit of a different feeling to be honest i'd rather be doing a 10 or a half than doing a mile because as soon as you finish that you felt sick for the next i reckon maybe this six or seven hours after i just felt unwell it's very different, hey, like the lactate. The, it's almost like your yeah. lungs burn, on, on, you know, in that distance. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's like this cold feeling through your chest you get for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, it feels like an age. Yeah. Hey, mate, um, we'll get to some questions of mine. We had a bit of a laugh the other day about the fact that I posted up on Instagram a um, question for, for the listeners to give you questions, and then it went to my archive yeah. after 24 hours, and I can't locate yeah. The questions you were concerned there was none in there anyway. I definitely had seen <laughs> yeah. one, and yeah. um, I had a faint memory of what it was about earlier because you mentioned something that reminded me of it. I just can't think of what it was. I'll get back to you yeah. uh, off off air, so to speak, if I can remember it. Yeah. But um, happy to answer a few of mine. Yeah, more than happy to. Okay, this will be interesting. Um, your favorite run of the week, whether it be a session, long run, jog, tempo, which one? Which one is your favorite at the moment? Um, I would say the long run, um, love the long run and then probably closely followed by the tempo, uh, which is that comfortable, but you know, you're working hard pace. Okay. Um, what would you think is the perfect mileage for a marathoner? Like once they become fully conditioned after years of running, and I know that's quite subjective, but do you think yeah. you're running the right amount of Ks? Um, I think it, it's really depending on what your body can handle. Um, some people can do the lower mileage and then succeed in the marathon um, where I don't have the natural speed at all. Um, so I but can tolerate the higher mileage. So I feel like getting the legs stronger um, and I'm hoping doing the longer runs and doing the longer Ks, it's going to help in the back half of the marathon um, for me, but it's really subjective, we assume. So, it's really depending on how the, the individual's body is. Yeah, it's a tough question, but I thought I'd throw it in there yeah. being a marathoner now. Um, yeah. mate, a few years ago, Marchand Park was the only place you'd basically run. I recall trying to get you out of that area. Yeah. So now looking <laughs> yeah. at the fact you've moved out running-wise in training, what's been your, your funnest location to run at, your best location? If you if you could just click your fingers and be there for, for a run, where would you be? Yeah, okay. Um, to be honest, I love the Sandgate waterfront. Uh, it's just, I'm, I love the coast, the, but and we're not that close to the coast, so the waterfront's always a uh, lovely place to just switch off and go for a jog. But 
Uh, we did a long run the other week out to North Pine Dam, uh, which was pretty uh, cool too as well. And then the loop around Clare Mountain is also a bit of fun. Yeah, great. Hey, um, next one's about your asset as your greatest asset as a runner. Let's let's pretend you and I are in a race, five, ten k or yeah. half marathon. What's going to put you over me? What do you, what what have you got out there to uh, <laughs> contend with? Um, I think it would be. I've got a fair habit of just not giving up. So I'll just stay on your shoulder, keep on grinding away, seeing what happens. So I'll be there, like too, that. mate. But, yeah, it'd be, it'd be just like the bad dream that keeps me appearing over and over again. <laughs> Okay, biggest inspiration to run. Why do you wake up every morning at 4, 4.30 go for a run? Well, there's a factor to just mental health and having those times uh, just for mental health and just health and fitness purposes. But it's I've got this crazy goal of hopefully one day trying to crack as close as the 2.30 mark in the marathon. And I know that's a long way away at the moment, but... With the marathon, you have to put the building blocks down uh, for over years and years. So mm. that's the reason I get up every morning um, and go for a jog. Well, good luck to you on that one. Um, what about any running role models that you have at the moment or ever? Yeah. Ever? Um, yep. So there's obviously there's the elite athletes that there, but I think in general terms, um, Chris Wilhelm would be a big role model for me. I'm known for the fact that he does the nine to five or works full time and grinds away <laughs> and uh, kids. as well. And kids, yes, no, that's something I don't have. So I've got that I like the ability to just get out and go for a jog when I want to. Um, but with Chris, he's a huge role model for me. Um, just not only the running aspects, but also using the knowledge and the research to make sure there is a purpose behind each of the uh, runs. Um, so he'd be the huge one. And I'll give Clive a bit of a shout out there as well, um, just because he's come back from a few injuries um, and he's obviously, uh, he was not as quick as he is now. And seeing that he's progressed through, um, it's always good to follow through someone's footsteps to see where you can get to. Yeah, and I love the, you haven't sort of gone for an elite athlete. You've gone for runners that you have run with or have kind of mentored you in some way. That's pretty cool. But um, mate, we'll finish it up there. We'll definitely get a few listeners you could imagine from, you've sort of been in about three or four groups on and off, like the uh, Morton Bay group in a way and the South Pine, South Pine um, Striders. That's what they're called, aren't they? South Pine, South yeah, Pine Striders. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the Bush Turkey guys, a bit of running with Chris and um, yeah, of course, just running out there meeting people in the community, but it's probably more so the ones that um, don't even know you and will tune in and sort of get some ideas about how to improve over a short period of time. Of course, yeah. there's things that are uh, beneficial to you being um, predisposed in a now you're 50 kilos, you're lightweight um, yeah. and the speed's developing and the attitude's there. So those things you definitely need, but um, yeah, it's all those intricacies that you've mentioned through the the interview that I think will be picked up by anyone and everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Ollie. No problems, mate. We'll be in touch. If you enjoyed listening to this episode or the local legend in running podcast in general, please jump on Spotify, give it a rating. I'd much appreciate it. Thank you.